that's really challenging to raise a family without additional support. You know, so it's like figuring out like how do we, you know, build our support systems, you know, so that we have help. So we, you know, have people, you know, we can lean on to, you know, do different things like building our own own community of support. Cause it is really challenging to just raise a family, the two of you. It's really hard. I think that's that's been one of the especially what's highlighted the challenges of of having families over the last, you know, almost two years. <laughs> So, because there has been, you know, we've had less options for that. Welcome to the Big Careers Small Children podcast, formerly known as Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus. I have set up this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus Fellowship program because I want to give you access to inspiration and really practical support so you can continue to progress your leadership career whilst enjoying your young children in a way that works for you. And I'm doing that because I think we need to do more to achieve gender equality and equality of carers for that matter in senior leadership. So thank you so much for listening and joining this movement. So today I have been talking to Catherine O'Brien. Catherine is an expert in relationships. She is a relationship counsellor and she has also written a really interesting book, Happy with Baby, that talks all about how to keep your relationship afloat after you've had a child. But what she writes about is also relevant for anyone who has children. I've actually read her book while I was on maternity leave with her third child and I've got quite a few practical things out of it. So I've really enjoyed talking to her for this podcast. Um, you may, uh, those of you who are regular listeners, you will know that we run a award-winning Leaders Plus Fellowship program that brings together people who are ambitious in their careers and have young children and want to somehow bring it all together. Um, we have groups for parents who have babies, parents who have toddlers, preschoolers, and also parents who have children primary school age. So if you want to get involved, then head over to leadersplus.org.uk forward slash register interest to register interest and tell us you're interested in, in joining us. The next application will open in January and that will be for once a year we're opening applications for our Leaders Plus Fellowship program, which is a combination of mentorship by a senior leader, small group career coaching, getting a access to a cross-sector, really supportive networks of parents who get it and who are also equally ambitious for their careers, but also don't want to sacrifice their children in the process. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and please do get in touch in whatever way you like. I always love hearing from our listeners via Twitter, LinkedIn. You can find me on, on, on LinkedIn, Ferina Hefti, and on Twitter, Instagram, we're on at leaders underscore plus. Enjoy today's conversation. So a very warm welcome to the podcast, Catherine. I am delighted to have you here. As I mentioned before we got on air, I read your fantastic book, Happy with Baby on maternity leave with my third baby, and I'm delighted to have a chance to chat to you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, why don't we start with you introducing yourself, what you do for work and who's in your family? Yeah, so I am a licensed and marriage and family therapist for almost 20 years now, with a specialty working in maternal health and new parents for over the last 10 years. 
I am here in Sacramento, California in the United States. And it was after the birth of our oldest that really opened my eyes to how difficult it was to add a baby to your relationship, to your family. And the fact that I'm a therapist and one, I would have thought I would have had more. I mean, it shocks me that I didn't realize it was going to like rock our dynamics with my husband and I. And because I thought we had like this great relationship and it was easy and you're just going to bring a baby home and what could, what could go wrong, you know, except that (laughs) it like everything, just how we had to communicate with each other and just all these like new skills we were learning and learning about this new little person and how amazing it was, but also really stressful it was and the effects it had on us. I was just like, gosh, I really, how did I not realize that this was going to be challenging? Like no one warn me or I didn't hear them if they did. And I just, you know, my interest became in, I want other people to know like that it is that there will be challenges, but there's ways you can work together. So it doesn't have to be so hard. So that's, that became my passion. And I continue to do that to this day. So our oldest is 12 and a half and our youngest is eight and a half. And yeah, we live, yeah, like I said, we live in Sacramento and I live with my husband too. So, so you're, you're obviously still with your husband. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. We're still together. <laughs> he still puts up with me. <laughs> you mentioned that it was a bit of a it was a bit of a shock, the impact that it had on your relationship. Do you remember what the thing was that surprised you most about the impact that a new person in your family had on your relationship? Well, you know, I don't think I was ever so tired in my entire life than bringing home our son and I just wasn't getting enough sleep. And, you know, my husband, I don't think was getting enough sleep. And so we had, you know, just little irritations. Right. And so that was not something I was used to like being irritated or frustrated with him on that level. And, you know, it was just kind of like back and forth. And I felt like I was doing so much. And I know, you know, he talks about in the book, like he felt like he was doing stuff and we're kind of like, you know, keeping score about like, what's I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And like in the middle of the night, we were trying to like alternate shifts. And it was this one night where, you know, I feel like our baby had been crying all night and I wasn't sleeping and he wasn't sleeping. And it was just like, oh, this does not feel good at all. You know? And then I was, I remember going to work one Saturday because I, we were trying to, you know, switch shifts. Um, I was able to flex my schedule. So I would go into work a couple nights a week after he would get home. And then I'd work on Saturdays and, you know, he would watch our son during that time. And I remember having to go into work. And I don't know, we'd gotten into an argument about something, which was again, unusual. And I'm on my way (laughs) into the office, like crying, like, how am I supposed to help people when I can't even help? Like, I can't help us like our relationship. And so I had called a girlfriend. I just remember being like, so grateful. She answered the phone (laughs) because it's like, she doesn't always answer the phone when I call and she answered the phone. And, and, you know, I was just like telling her what was going on and you know, she was very calm and her kids were older. So she had this, you know, perspective that I didn't have yet. And so she was like, well, when was the last time you guys actually, you know, went on a date or spent quality time together? And I was just like, uh, I don't know, before the baby, like, cause we, we had a, you know, a four month old and we weren't getting any time together. So we were able to make some time and just being able to like sit and talk to each other without having to do chores or, you know, like change the diaper or have the baby cry or trying to put him down for sleep or anything like that. So it was just like, so 
it was nice. And then I was like, oh yeah, this is, I do like you. You like me, like (laughs) we can do this. We've just got to figure out like how to make more time for each other, how to, you know, make that quality time that used to come easily because we had an abundance of it. And now we didn't, and we were going to have to figure out how to be more intentional about things. And so it just kind of from there on changed how we, we did things together and made time for each other. I think it's interesting about making time. So I speak to a lot of fellows who are on our, so we, we have a nine month fellowship program and there, there are people on that program are individuals who are in really ambitious careers and obviously yes. also have, have young children. And many of them really do not remember when they last had a date. And physically, you know, especially in London, you do have a lot of people who don't have family nearby where I live. Um, can, I, I guess my, my thing is, can you have that feeling of connectedness without going on a date night? Like, do you have to have, is, is it just a non-negotiable? You should really do what all the books say and just make sure you have that date night or is it not that essential? Well, you know, and I think this last year showed, especially when we were like here in the States, like we were quarantined for a period of time. So it was like, we weren't going out on a date and we were stuck in the house, you know, with our kids for quite a period of time. It was like, how do we find this time, you know, even in the house? And so like our kids are older, they can entertain themselves, you know, but I talk a lot about how do we have like, you know, regular check-ins with each other, like on a daily, you know, like, Hey, how's everything going? Like, how was your, you know, the basics of like, how was your day? But sometimes even having more in- like an intentional question that you ask to get each other's attention, because that one is like, Oh, it's fine. You know, and we're just, as we keep going on, but I, but it's more about like, Hey, like, let's check in like face to face, like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, why we're not, you know, making dinner or anything like that. And sometimes it's a matter of maybe you have to do it. You know, maybe someone's at work still and the other one is at home or you're both at work, but you're like, oh, I'm going to take time during our day that we're going to check in to see how things are going. Or do we both, are we feeling supported? Is there anything we need? Has anything changed, you know, going on tonight or just warning like, hey, it's been a rough day and I'm going to need extra support or, you know, and whoever, whoever that is. But then also, you know, I do talk about doing, you know, date nights, even at home, like, you know, when the kids go to sleep or maybe they're taking a nap or their activity time where you're do, able to do something together where you're not distracted by like other things, you know, whether you're, you know, playing a game together, whatever it is you like to do, maybe you're, you make, you like to make food and you make dinner together as like, you know, partners. And it's not, you know, with the children, it's, they've already eaten, but something that you enjoy doing together some people are like, Oh, I'm so tired. And so, you know, I will say like, yeah, you could watch a movie, but like sit next to each other on the couch, (laughs) not on your separate couches, but like sit next to each other. Don't be distracted by also being on your phone, but like, you know, have a dialogue about what you're watching or what you thought about it or doing it as you're like paying attention to what is happening. Does that make sense? Mm, Yeah, it does. I've just been thinking about while you were talking, why is it that having a baby is so disruptive? Because these things are obviously, so yes, we don't have the normal routine anymore when yes. we have a baby. But I think there's something else, which is suddenly your role changes if, assuming, so yeah. if you are breastfeeding, especially as a woman. And in the UK, and I think also in the US, it's only the woman who does maternity leave. You can take share parental leave, which is the that equivalent in a heterosexual relationship of, of maternity leave, but many dads don't. So I think there's something about that falling into the breadwinner role 
and and being at their computer or going to work and the woman stays at home and suddenly does all these things and the dad doesn't realize everything that is being done and that has to be done yeah I I, you know and I hear that a lot when because I you know I see you know clients um, individuals and I work with couples and that's always the thing is like moms will say my life has changed dramatically and they keep doing what they've always, I feel like they keep doing what they always done. And yeah, they'll come home and they'll help with the baby, but it seems like nothing has changed. Like they still are able to take showers on the regular. Like they're still able to, you know, to work out if they do that or, you know, we'll go out with friends or whatever. Like it's easier for them typically. And, and it's not, and I don't, I don't necessarily hear that from the dads as well, but it, it seems that way, right? Like it seems like our, our load doubles you know, including the mental load that we carry as women and the the things we keep track of in our head and planning and, and stuff like that is a lot higher than men. And so then a big complaint that I get frequently, and I always kind of like chuckle inside because I hear this almost every single time I see, see a new mom and she's, and she'll say, well, he'll come home and there'll be something to do. And he doesn't do, he doesn't, like notice, I have to ask him to do, to help me do something. And they, and if I see them together as a couple, he'll often say, well, she seemed like she had it. So I went to go do something else that I thought was helpful. Like maybe like we went, I went in the garage and was like putting some together or like, I'll, I've had so many stories where he has like built something like planters or something out in the yard or like, you know, re-landscape the backyard or whatever it is like it's so it's kind of funny because and he's like well I was I know that she wanted this done and she's like I don't need this done now I need help here in the house with me like trying to you know feed the baby and make dinner and do laundry and like all this stuff and like how did you not notice like this is what I needed and it's almost like they don't notice and they're just trying to be helpful but they don't necessarily ask and so that's where I'm like that like the checking in with each other like what do you know, what do you, how do you need help today? Or, you know, what do I need help? You know, or you just say like, this is what I need help with. And I think the problem comes down to the difficulty we have are often women will have of asking for help. And, or like also that piece of like, well, why do I have to tell you what to do? Like, why do I have to, sometimes it's even, it's every single day I need you to do this. Why do I have to ask you every single day? Why don't now, you know, you know, three days in, like, okay, come home and do this. You know, why do I have to tell you each time kind of thing? And so I think that's where it's like those, like checking in and having conversations with each other to be like, Hey, this is what I'm, what I need. And sometimes, you know, it might take a little bit, but like figuring out like, what is each of our roles going to be of how we do this together? Mm. So assuming you've had your baby and you've had exactly this sort of situation that you've described. And it's quite funny that you've had all these building examples. It, it's really, it plays so much into the stereotype, isn't it? Yes, it totally, it's very stereotype. <laughs> yes, yeah. And in a way, it can be a safe thing to do, isn't it? You have no clue what to do, but you, you build yeah. something. I, I feel the same when sometimes, sometimes when I cook, like the house is falling apart, especially when my baby was so young. I loved cooking. Not so much more, but when my baby was tiny, I just loved creating something physical that I could see yeah. the result of. And you know, you know, Absolutely. you know, someone is going to appreciate it at the end of it because you're going to be able to eat it. But so let, let's assume someone is listening to this and they've had a horrendous time. They've done exactly all the things, you know, that you're describing. What are the two or three things they should start doing to get with their partner, to get out of that moment of grinding each other up, of finding each other up? 
Well, I think it's first, like I said, it's like making that time to to talk to each other, like finding that time during the day, like when we can, we can check in and have, just have a conversation about what, you know, how each of us are doing and, you know, what each of us need. Like, you know, sometimes it's called like a stress reducing conversation, like, because it is like, there's so many different stressors, even if, you know, one partner is going to work and the other partner isn't like there's, there are the stresses coming that are at work and coming home and then feeling like, oh, now I'm coming into the second shift. So I think it's like, you know, remembering to have to have those check-ins. And the second thing is to remember that it's not a competition of who has it worse either. Or like, you know, because sometimes the dynamic will play like someone will say like, oh, well, this is, you know, how it's going for me. It's like, well, this is how it's going for me. Feeling like I, you know, because if I, if you're telling me it's hard, I don't want you to think it's really easy for me. But remembering it's like listening to each other and being like, oh gosh, it does sound hard. And like, and this is, you know, this is, this is my experience too. Like, how do you support each other in your own experiences, even though they, they are often different, but there are a lot of similarities too. And then, you know, figuring out like, how do we each, what kind of help do we need? And I think, you know, we experienced the same thing here in Sacramento. There's a lot of people that will like move here from, and they'll have like no family. Right. And then that's really challenging to raise a family without additional support, you know, so it's like figuring out like, how do we, you know, build our support systems, you know, so that we have help. So we, you know, have people, you know, we can lean on to, you know, do different things like building our own, own community of support. Cause it is really challenging to just raise a family, the two of you. It's really hard. I think that's, that's been one of the, especially what's highlighted the challenges of, of having families over the last, you know, almost two years. <laughs> So, because there has been, you know, we've had less options for that. So, is there any research that specifically looks at couples who have children and what makes them stay together long term? Do you have any research, or is that not something that you're aware of at the moment? I'm, I'm interested about the chance of people staying together because uh, uh, let me tell you the background of this question. So okay. I interviewed Nick Wilkin and he is, or he was the chief executive of the NCT here in the UK. And the NCT is a charity that supports people with very young babies, helps them breastfeed and all these things. And he told me, he jokes with the chief executive of, of Relate, which is a relationship counseling charity that the entity with small babies, they take the new parents and then a couple of years later, they hand them over to relate, to be sorted out because they all have problems in their relationships. And I, I yeah. just found that such a, well, quite funny, but also quite sad observation. Yeah. And I think, obviously, single parents, many are doing brilliantly. Um, but I do think, I, I am just interested in, is there research about what makes pay, people stay together? especially after they have children, they may not, they may not be. Well, I don't know what the research is that keeps them staying together, but there is research that shows like 92% of couples report like marital dissatisfaction that first year after baby, right? The stressors, I think that is understandable. And then like, it's almost like two thirds are still reporting dissatisfaction three years later after having a baby. And I think it comes down to the ones that stay together. You know, oftentimes we stay together much longer than we should, Right. The, I think it's seven years before couples will come to couples counseling because with relationship challenges, like they'll wait that long, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, it's a really bad. And now we'll finally, like, this is the last straw. Like I finally talked my partner into coming to couples counseling. And sometimes it's too late, right? Because there's been so much like 
resentment and frustration and anger towards each other. So I think the ones that, you know, probably stay together, I'm just totally guessing because I don't know what the research is. I probably should look into it. But it's like the ones that are, you know, working together and are, you know, checking in with each other and how do we help each other, right? And I think it's also evaluating, you know, our expectations about what we each can do, what, you know, what we want our families to look like, you know, because I think we have this idea of like the perfect family and then you actually have kids and and, and everything. And then it's like, oh, well, there's a lot of things that go into play. So it's like, you know, I think it's like checking in what our expectations are of each other, but even, even for ourselves. So when I started designing the fellowship program, I spoke to the parents that I was going to do this for to ask them what was needed. And I didn't think of it. Um, but one person I spoke to, B. Stevenson, she said, you must have something in there for couples. So now we have exactly that. So we ask okay. our fellows individually to develop their own vision for their career and family life. And then in a structured workshop, we get them to share it and discuss it with their partner. And I think whether you do that as part of a fellowship program or yeah. as part of couples counselling or whatnot, I think sharing in a structured way, this is where what my hopes and dreams are for the future mm-hmm. is so important. Yes. And when would you recommend and is the time to join a couples counseling session? How do you know how bad how bad does it have to be? When when should you I, give you give someone like you a call? You know what? I don't even think it has to be bad. I think it like, you know, I have a few couples that will like come to me and they're like, we just know like things are different and we want to make sure that we stay on track. We want to make sure that we're doing the right thing to keep our relationship going in the direction that we want it to go because we are changing, right? We're each changing. Having a child changes us, you know, both of us. And so like, we want to make sure that we're growing together and staying together because things are different. So I don't think you, you don't have to wait till it's bad. And in fact, ideally don't wait until it's terrible, but maybe you're having, you know, some, a little bit of conflict or you're having difficulty communicating exactly how you're feeling or what you need, which I think, you know, now we are communicating in a way we never had to communicate before. And more frequently, you know, we're having to work together to do things like, you know, before kids, like if I wanted to go, you know, get my hair done or meet up with friends, I would just say like, Hey, I'm going to go do this today. I don't have to navigate like, well, who, you know, do we need childcare? Are you going to be home? What time will you be home? You know, like all these different things. Like, will the baby have been fed? Do I need to be, feed the baby before or after? You know, like all, all different things, right? Or, you know, as they get older, it's like, oh, they have activities and, you know, who's going to take them and how are we going to do this? <laughs> um, so, you know, there's a lot of like communicating and, and figuring those things out and managing that, right? Like managing your, your household. And so... But can I just interrupt there? Yes, yes. How do you find the time? I mean, it's, it's hard. I keep a calendar and, and now I keep one like on our fridge. And I write like our kids, like activities on there, you know, so that my husband can see it. The kids can see it. Cause I, I was like getting frustrated. Like, stop asking me, like, keep it, like, keep it in your head. It's in my head or it's on my calendar. Why do you keep asking? And finally, like, I have to have a visual, right? Like not everyone is remembering everything in their head. It just makes it easier. And then, you know, we'll sit down and be like, well, has anything been added? Do we need to like, you know, figure out like, you know, I typically do this, but do I need you to do this? Or do we need to, you know? have somebody else help us get this done kind of thing. And so I think it's like finding like those little times. Ideally, I would love to have, you know, a couple hours 
with my husband doing dates or going away for the weekend or doing stuff like that. And, you know, those aren't always realistic and it definitely hasn't been a realistic time, but it's like, I can also take the small moments, right? Like we can do shorter periods of time, but I think it's making sure that we're getting those in because those little periods of time, those 10, 15, 30 minutes, those do add up over the week. But I think it's like, you have to like schedule it in there because if you don't, if you just think like, okay, we'll do this, we'll do this on Sunday. And then it's like, oh, something else comes up, comes up, you know, the kids get up really early and then we're tired. And then we go to the park and do all these things. And then it like never gets done. Like you have to say like, this is when we're going to do it. Right. And put it on the calendar and hold ourselves accountable to doing it. And if, you know, occasionally, you know, something might come up and it's like, okay, if we can't do it right now, then when is the next time we can do it? But I think it's like, if you like at this, at this stage, it's like, I feel like if I don't put things on the calendar, they don't happen. <laughs> I agree. And actually it's just, there is no time. Like, let's face it. There is no time. If you are serious with yourself, probably all the things that add up, if you add them in hours, there's not enough time to do everything. So I love this idea of just slotting it in and scheduling things. But if, yeah. if we are talking about it, what would that it be? So assuming it's not a date, what, what, what do you schedule? I mean, I even heard some people say they're scheduling sex, which, which is an interesting one to try. But what do you actually put in your diary? Probably not one that your kids can see in that case. <laughs> like I, yeah, I probably would not. Like, hey, we're having sex at this time on the calendar, at least the joint one, but uh, or the family one. No, I know people do do that, right? Because it's like, if they don't schedule it, it's, it's not going to happen. Like, hey, we want to have this, you know, intimate time together. Or like, I'll say like, schedule in when you're doing your check-ins. Like, do you need to do them during the day? Do you do it in the evening when the kids go to bed? If they're assuming they're going to bed early enough and you're not so exhausted, you know, I have some couples that like they both are somehow managed to get up before their children get up and they have it. They do their check-in over a morning coffee or, you know, just finding the different times. I, and I think the challenge too, is like, if our schedules are opposites, which happens quite frequently. And it's like, then it's like, you know, even more difficult and we have to be, you know, more intentional about it. So I, I think there's like, you know, the check-in, I, I always say like, yes, you'll have all these other things on your, your schedule, like doctor's appointments or work meetings or things like that. But then it's also scheduling in like my self-care time and when I want to connect and have time with my husband, feeling connected with him. Because those are the hardest to, I think, to get. True. And I think there's something else, which is being present in the moment with your partner, mm-hmm. because you can schedule time as much as you like, but then how do you, what's your view? How do you make sure that you are present in the moment and you have that connection, even if it's just yeah. 15 minutes? Yeah. That you don't have your phone, that you're not like also scrolling through checking emails or on social media or something that you are sitting, that you're having a conversation together and you're not distracted by, you know, other things that aren't like important at the time and making sure to do that on a regular basis yeah and and I think sometimes I find it's really good to to schedule things like that at a time where you're not linked to work so if you do it right you know after you've checked your emails in the morning it's probably not going to be in the right headspace yeah and maybe a Sunday evening where you haven't checked your emails yet it's a much much better time like thinking about when exactly are you going to be in that right headspace to be connected I want to talk about the mental load and the shift. So obviously, you know, okay. Leaders Plus is all about supporting career progression to senior roles. Yeah. And I think okay. for people to be able to progress, it's quite important that they're not carrying all the mental load and all the things to do. We should probably say by mental load, we mean 
things on your to-do list in your head all yeah. the yeah. all the stuff that you're carrying that you know needs to get done even if you don't do it yourself you carry that yes so how do you especially if you go back you know, you might at the moment be carrying all the to-dos. You might be the one who remembers on the 15th of December we need to have a nativity costume. Uh, and on the 10th of... Th- this is what I'm actually carrying, I have to say. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and my grand- my mother is sorting it out, which is even more wonderful. Um, oh, you know, we need good. to book this meeting with the teacher and the child. The other child needs to have a vaccination. How do you shift from a place where you are the one who's holding all that mental load to a place where both of you hold some of that mental load? Yeah, because, you know, our our women's, our brains tend to work differently of how we like carry things, you know, and men tend to have like compartments, right? Like there's this, this, and they don't like seem to overlap each other. Like if they're focused on something, they're focused on something. So So my thing, and this is what like I'll recommend people to do all the time is like writing those things down, like, and you can even get more, you know, detailed or whatever. Um, I created like a spreadsheet for like, cause I had some couples asking for like a spreadsheet and I'm not a spreadsheet person. I'm, that's too technical (laughs) for me, but it's like, basically like, here's all the things that get done in our house. Here's who does it. So this is when it needs to get done, you know, it has, it's very detailed, but then my more basic one for someone like me is like, here's all the things that need to get done. And this, these are the things that need to get done ASAP. And like, you could have it like on a whiteboard in your house or, you know, a chalkboard or something, or you can, you know, have an app or whatever. Like these are the things. And then the, then there's a second list of like, this is what needs to get done when something off that list is done. <laughs> And then the third list is like, these are my future like plans. Like, okay, this, you know, maybe it's something that's coming up in the new year or, uh, you know, this is a a project that we want to work on or whatever. And so we, we know what each, you know, like my, my husband might have, you know, some ideas of things that need to happen. I'll have different ideas of what needs to happen, but then we can have that dialogue like, okay, well, when is this going to get done? And who's going to do it? And how are we going to do it? And then figuring out like, when does that like go on the calendar or whatever? But it's like, here's a list. Like, these are the things. So maybe I'm not having to tell you, maybe you, you're, he's seeing it, especially like if it's somewhere, you know, visual and like, kind of like getting it out of my head. And then, you know, we, it's a, it's a dialogue that we can have on a regular basis and, and start using as like a tool to make things like easier that I'm not always having to like keep in my head. Um, because like I do, I have more things. <laughs> it's so funny. My husband will ask me sometimes, he's like, what are you thinking about? And he's done this like for years now. But he'll be like, what are you thinking about? And I'm always like, look at him. Like, that is the most ridiculous question I've ever heard. Like, what am I not thinking about? I'm thinking about like a million different things. And now that you've said that, <laughs> I'm thinking about even more things, you know, <laughs> it might be easier to tell you what I'm not thinking about. And then if I, I ask him, he'll be like, oh, I'm, and I'll be like, what are you thinking about? He's like, nothing like nothing. How are you, how is that even possible? Like, how do you really think about nothing? And I saw this YouTube video once and a psychologist was explaining the difference between men's brains and women's brains. And he did say, he said like men's brains are like compartments, right? There, there's a box for work. There's a box for, you know, sports with friends. There's a box for childcare. There's a box for, you know, everything. And there's even a box of nothing. And I was like, oh my gosh, my husband can really think about nothing. I didn't know. Yeah. Like there's a box of where nothing, nothing they're thinking about. And the thing about those boxes, it's like none of them touch. They don't, you know, they don't overlap with each other. And then a woman's brains are like, 
a bunch of wires and they're all like intertwined and connected and like this big ball of mess. And I'm like, oh yeah, that that's true. At least that's stereotyping. That is exactly the difference between my husband and I and, and how we think of things. So it's like, we, you know, I've learned how to dialogue. Like it's hard for me to ask for help and a heart, you know, and has been, I've learned and I think that's one of the, the gifts my children have given me. I've learned how to ask for help and that life is so much easier with that help and that support, whether it's for my husband or friends or whoever, you know? Yeah. And I think it's so easy to assume that the other person needs knows exactly what you're, yeah. what you're expecting. And I mean, it's interesting because what you've just described as a typical man, that's exactly how my brain is. So when I'm at work, I will forget the nativity costume and then I'll be yeah. in a lot of trouble because my child is the only one without an nativity costume and I have to make one ASAP um but yeah I think it's about that asking for help is really is really important how do you ask for help without being getting frustrated because the other person hasn't seen automatically what you need well you know and I find that the first I find that we are more frustrated when it's been going on too long right like when We've been like hoping, hoping they've seen it and noticed it and they haven't. And now we're asking for help and we're exacerbated and overwhelmed and exhausted and all those things. And so uh, my suggestion is, especially if, if it is a challenge, right? If you're used to being, I, I get everything done, right? Like I'm, I have this career and I am efficient and I am, you know, driven and all these things. And then at home, you're like, oh my gosh, this is like a mess. And I can't, I can't do it all because you can't. Right. And so I think it's like, like also say, like, start small, start with like the small little things to ask for help. And then it like starts to get easier to ask for like the bigger things or like even to sit down and be like, well, what are our, what, what are we each going to do? Are we the type that these are always my chores and these are always your chores? Or are we the type like, Hey, let's like divide and conquer and like change things up as you know, all the time. And so, I mean, that's definitely more conversation, but maybe that's the way you like to do it. Like you do bedtime routine tonight. I do it tomorrow night and we alternate those kind of things. Or is it like, no, I do it every single night this way, or you do it this way, you know? And so like figuring those things out because you, you need to, right. It's not sustainable to be the one that does everything all the time. And it, and it is overwhelming. So I think it's like starting small and asking for help and not waiting too long, not waiting to where it's like, I can't do it anymore, you know, or like if it is in the, you know, that moment is being, yeah, I got really frustrated, you know, tonight because I, you know, and I, maybe I yelled at you or maybe I was, you know, sarcastic or like in a negative way, like passive aggressive or whatever. But it's like, I'm really in explaining, you know, I'm at the point where I just feel like I can't do everything. And I don't know how we can divide things up because I'm overwhelmed with everything that's on my plate. Is there a model that you can use to ask for help in one sentence? What what would you say? Well, that's a very good question. <laughs> like, what would you say like about how to like how to ask for help or how how to ask for help so it lands well and the other person actually helps you? I think it's just being direct and telling them exactly what you need. Because that's been, again, that's been my personal experience. That's been professional experience. It's when we tell them what exactly we need, our partners tend to do, will tend to do it. Now, not always are on our time schedule. So I think that's, again, where we look at our expectations. But I think it's like, we have to be direct about what it is we want. If we're like hoping, if we're hinting around of what, <laughs> what we need, then we're going to be really disappointed. I think it's being as direct as we can. 
about what it is that we need for support. Mm, that's excellent advice. And I think that's important, not just when the baby is very young and you're preparing to yes. come back from maternity leave, but also it's really useful to have that when your baby, uh, when you're ahead of any transition. So for example, yes. when your child is starting primary school and here in the UK, you have to pick them up at about three o'clock, yeah. 3.30. How are you going to navigate that change? (laughs) Who is going to book the after school club if relevant and so forth and so so on? I think that's really, really important. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I, you know, I, we have the same thing here. Like school usually gets out around like 2.33. And so, you know, I have moms, you know, career driven moms that I work with that their kids don't even start kindergarten for a year or two years from now. And they're already thinking about, what's the after school program and like worried and concerned, you know, so it starts early, right? Like, or like, you know, in, in where we live too, it's like, you can, instead of just going to your neighborhood school, you can also like maybe go to a different school. And so then there's a lot of like, well, what's going to be the best school for my kid. And like, there's all this thinking. And so it's like, I mean, we do that from like a young age, like already worried and thinking about it. And typically at least my husband was not nearly as worried as I was about where my child was going to go to school, you know, at least not in the same way, you know? And so, you know, I think it's like, we, we think about all those things. They're always in our head, even if it's not like an imminent thing. And I I think that that plays into that mental load that we carry. Mm, Absolutely. Um, we're coming towards the end of our time. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners, any other really crucial practical information that they should be thinking about before we wrap up? Well, um, I kind of hinted to it, but like, like in my book, Happy with Baby, it's divided into three sections. And the three sections are based on three questions I ask, or I encourage my, um, my clients to think about on a regular basis. And the first one is like, what am I doing to make sure that I'm taking care of myself? And the second one is, what am I doing to make sure I'm connecting and, and supporting my partner? And the third one is, what am I doing to make sure that I'm connect, connecting and bonding with my child? And I, I think we need to answer those questions from now until like forever, or at least assuming until you know our children move out. <laughs> I don't know what happens. I, I, I imagine maybe even we're thinking about those questions even after they move out. And the first one being about self-care, because I think we can't do those other two if we're not making sure that we're really taking care of ourselves and doing what we need to do to like feel good and then the other and then the one you know about our relationship is like and that those are like the check-ins those are like the 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 mini date nights even if you're at home you know of course the more grand dates and you know getaways are play into that too and then and that third one is I I added that last because when I started working with people new parents uh, almost exclusively because I was finding that what like we we were just talking about like feeling like I'm caring like I'm doing all the things and how do I ask for help it's like making sure that your partner's also getting time and doing things with the children because sometimes I think we feel like oh we have to do all these things especially for breastfeeding maybe we're doing more work and they're you know over here doing other things and letting them have that time to connect and bond with their child but I think even as they get older and I know this now for myself is like, I do a lot of like, oh, there's homework and we got to get to school and we have, you know, soccer practice or, you know, different things, or I guess it's called football, <laughs> not soccer. And we, um, you know, but am I actually having quality time with, with my kids and like bonding and connecting with them on a level that isn't just like running errands, you know, 
and getting them here and there. So it's like, I think those are like really important questions to ask and make sure that we're, we're making time for being intentional about. Definitely. Yeah. That's all very powerful. And I, I think your point about making time to connect with yourself is such an important one. And I would really urge anyone listening to this, if you can try to schedule even the smallest breaks, because otherwise you're always going to come last. And if you can schedule some time for yourself and prioritize watching Netflix, if that's what does it for you over doing something else, I think that that is so, so, so important. And it's all about long game, right? So in 20 years time, how are you going to feel? And and if you looked after yourself, you're probably going to be, in a much much better position than if you haven't uh, with all those things from connection to children connection to partner if you have one and so on I think I just want to also say that obviously some people listening here will be solo parents and Mm -hmm. I think it's it's just really important to to say that everyone can be a brilliant parent solo or not but I was very keen to speak to you Catherine because I loved your book and um, I wanted to (laughs) I wanted to to chat to you um, personally so yeah. So where can people find out more about you and your work? Um, well, my website is um, happywithbaby.com. And, you know, I have, you know, my book is on there and the work that I do. I also have, you know, several blogs and stuff, you know, with just different tips and support. There's some on there too about like, you know, the holidays are coming up and like surviving, you know, different things like that. And, and, you know, how to like, you know, build a good support systems and, you know, how to work together um, with your partner and stuff. So yeah, so you can check that out. And then, you know, anywhere on social media, I'm at happy with baby. So I keep it simple for myself, but then, you know, for everyone, so you can find me in that way. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Catherine. I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If this has been helpful to you in any way, then please help me make a bigger impact by subscribing and sharing it with three friends that you think need to hear this right now. If you're looking to join a network of like-minded, ambitious individuals who are parents across sectors, then do head over to leadersplus.org.uk right now and register interest in joining the fellowship. At the moment, the applications are closed, but we will open the applications again in the new year um, and we'll run only one cohort um, next year. Um, As mentioned, it's really a world-class professional development opportunity. It's for people who are super ambitious but don't quite know how to square ambitious career dreams with young children, for people who want to do things differently, who want to be rebels, who really crave being part of a community of peers and who want to think about where they want to go and take charge of their careers. So if you are like that, then please do consider joining us and find out more on our website, leadersplus.org.uk. If you are on maternity leave and interested in hearing, I guess, in doing some more work with your partner, obviously as part of the fellowship, we do have a series of couples workshops. But as a quick, I guess, a quick start, head over to leadersplus.org.uk forward slash couples. And there is a checklist you can download um, with things to talk about to to your partner um, that you might find useful. As I said, I do this podcast because I want it to be useful to you. So please let me know what you think. I would love to have your thoughts. Until next time, have a wonderful week.